The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Prescription for Success with your host, Dr. Emil Haldi. Each week, we come through the myths and facts about health and wellness in order to bring you the best advice and the right information that you need to live an incredible life. Now, here is Dr. Emil Haldi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. I am super excited to be here with you broadcasting live from New York City. We will be having an amazing show today. Our eyes, what a wonderful gift that is for us. We get most of the input about our surroundings from or through our eyes. Every second, we get millions, yes, millions, pieces of information through our eyes, and we pass it on to our brain for interpretation. Think how beautiful it is. Our eyesight adapts to different light conditions at super fast speeds, refocuses within fractions of a second, and distinctions, distinguishes colors. It's absolutely beautiful. Today, we will talk about miracles. Yes, miracles, such as our eyesight and eye health, brain and brain health. So we have a beautiful world that surrounds us. We observe the world with our eyes. Our brain gets the image and its interpretation. What comes next is mindfulness and mindset. This is how we consciously control what we focus on and the meaning we give to our surroundings. We cannot change our reality, but you can change what we do in response to our reality. We can change what we focus on. You can choose to live powerfully, that is to live as a victor, not a victim. Today, I have two terrific guests with me, and we will talk about your eyes, your brains, and mindfulness. Now, to our listeners, give me a shout on social media and tell me what you like about our radio program and the topics you want me to cover next. And if you need to stop listening to our program at any time, and please don't do that, you can always go back to voiceamerica.com, type in Prescription for Success or Dr. Emil Haldi. You can listen to any of the previous podcasted episodes. So my two terrific guests are the following. We have Dr. Ronnie Bannock. Dr. Bannock is, is an experienced neuro-ophthalmologist, an integrative and functional medicine doctor. Dr. Bannock's mission is to help protect people's eyesight and restore their vision, achieve better health and quality of life. Dr. Bannock is internationally known for expertise in ophthalmic and neuro-ophthalmic care. Dr. Bannock has won many awards. She's frequently featured on major TV channels and other media platforms. She has created a center of excellence using her unique approach to vision health and wellness located in Manhattan, New York. Dr. Bannock's work has been published in many reputable peer-reviewed medical and scientific journals. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bannock. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and honor. We're going to have a great uh, discussion today. Absolutely. My next guest is very special. Mickey Brown is a registered nurse and a board-certified holistic nurse. Mickey is a clinical manager for education, mindfulness, and patient well-being at the Mount Sinai Health System in New York City. Mickey is, a certified, is certified in mind-body medicine, and currently Mickey teaches mindfulness for the employees 
of the Mount Sinai Medical Health System, as well as interns, residents, fellows, and faculty. All of those folks are being taught by Mickey. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Haldi. This is wonderful to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have an amazing discussion. Hello? Welcome to the show, Mickey. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Haldi. I'm really excited to be here. Thank it, you for having me. Of course, of course. So, Dr. Banik, let me go to you. You're an eye doctor. Yes. Who also made a pivot in her career to integrative and functional medicine. Tell us a little more. Sure, sure. So I initially trained in the traditional medical uh, method in the U.S. So I went to medical school. I did a residency. I did a fellowship. And, um, and I was practicing in academic medicine. So I was in academic medicine for the majority of my career. I had a full-time position. I was seeing patients. I was teaching residents, doing research. And then I was, in the meantime, I was struggling with my own health issues. Um, I actually suffer from very severe migraines. And my migraines were getting... Uh, horrific. And I tried all the conventional treatments and nothing was working. And finally, I decided there must be some other, some other way to manage this. And that's how I discovered functional medicine. So this was um, about four years ago. And a colleague of mine said, why don't you take this course in functional medicine? Maybe you can learn something that would help your migraines. And this whole new world opened up to me. It was really incredible to actually be introduced to you know the concepts of food as medicine, um, and then also the importance of n- not only nutrition but lifestyle as well in terms of general health. So not just for migraines, uh, for but for complete total wellness. And so it really radically changed my my uh, my own health because I improved significantly. But it also changed my career path. And what ended up happening was that I actually quit my job. Mm. I quit my full-time job and I decided I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to study with um, Institute for Functional Medicine. I'm going to get certified. I'm going to become a functional ophthalmologist. So that, that is my journey. Wow. It's very, very special. Well, I'm glad you're doing better as far as your own health journey and your migraines. And uh, I do a lot of work in the, in, the, in the functional medicine space. And what's amazing to me is that most caring, uh, most dedicated doctors that I see went through all their own health journey and that journey propelled them to be better doctors and to be better practitioners, whatever their field may be. And uh, they, they made pivots. And uh, so I applaud you for that. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're doing better and you're now sharing your uh, mastery with the world. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, it's, been, it's been an incredible uh, couple of years and, and I'm now so excited to share what I've learned with my patients as well as others. Yeah, and just to put it in perspective for our listeners, uh, neuro-ophthalmology, tell us a little more what that is and how different is that from uh, regular ophthalmology? Sure, so so that's a question I get very frequently, what is neuro-ophthalmology? And neuro-ophthalmology is really the intersection of two fields, ophthalmology and neurology, and it deals with all the connections between our brain and our eyes. Uh, all the, the signals that go from our eyes through the optic nerve to the brain, to the uh, vision centers in the brain, as well as all the input that goes from the brain back to our eyes that control eye movements, that control our eyelids. And so it's a, it's a complex field. Um, it incorporates many different kinds of disorders. For example, strokes with vision loss, uh, brain tumors when there's visual mm-hmm. manifestations of brain tumors, uh, some inflammatory disorders as well, as well so for example, multiple sclerosis. Um, can fall under uh, the purview of neuro-ophthalmology. So, 
so it's a it's a fascinating field. Um, I, I love it. Uh, it's it's always a challenge and. Uh, and in terms of how it's different than ophthalmology, so it's absolutely integral to to ophthalmology, but it is definitely, it's more of a crossover between ophthalmology and neurology. Yeah, it sounds very, very interesting. And so if you put that, so you knew ophthalmologist, I'm sure that's a very, very unique field where very few doctors specialize in that. And you add functional medicine and integrated medicine on top of it, you're probably looking at a dozen people in the country that specialize in, in that type of specialty. What, uh, uh, it's probably very even fewer. <laughs> <laughs> probably even fewer than that. Yeah. So, we, so I, I, but I'm I'm very excited to actually share again what I've learned and train others as well to 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 do what I do. So, so that's yeah. one of my goals in the future. It, it, it's really really good that uh, we have you here on the program. To our listeners, we have a truly a world expert who specializes in neuro ophthalmology with with a functional integrative approach. This is very unique. It does not exist. It's very hard to get out of there. So make sure you tune in and tell tell your friends and families who are experiencing difficulties with their eyesight or vision to tune in or to listen to the podcast version here. So uh, Mickey, let me go to you. I'd love to hear about your journey, a, a registered nurse uh, yeah. specializing in mindfulness. How exciting. Tell us about your journey. So my journey really began when I began working with the World Trade Center Health Program, who serves the responders who cleaned up at 9-11. And as I was interviewing patients doing their health history, I noticed how highly anxious they were about their potential health outcomes. And so I would teach them some very simple, give them some very simple tools, such as breathing, um, using their breath to calm themselves. And they would really appreciate that and say, oh, this is so helpful. I feel better. So it took me a very short period of time, but I wanted to edify my teaching. Um, <clears throat> and so I began attending courses at the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And what I found was that when I went to my first seminar, they told us that we had to practice. And so that was, wow, I was doing this for my patients. And now they're telling me I have to practice as a healthcare practitioner. Yes, but it's really been a um, really an amazing experience for me because I went from the Center for Mind-Body Medicine and then I uh, became my personal practice, um, became more of a mindfulness practice. And so I began studying at the University of Massachusetts at the Center for Mindfulness. And so it's been a journey personally. And I've, I've also noticed how the acceptance of mindfulness has evolved <clears throat> over these past number of years. When I first began, people were very skeptical about what this was. And I would say over the past four to five years, the whole field has opened up, and particularly in medicine, where doctors are now prescribing mindfulness for patients. So um, it's been a really rich experience for me to see how the field has evolved and the impact that it's had on my own life personally. So you're uh, living it as well. So that's very, very powerful. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's been a huge benefit. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. So define mindfulness for our listeners. I, I know I gave a, a little introduction there, but you're the expert. I'd love to hear it from you. What is mindfulness from the experts? Uh, yeah. So mindfulness is simply being present. Um, typically, a Harvard research study showed that 46.9% of the time, our minds are wandering. We're either, think <clears throat> we're either thinking about what's already happened or what will happen in the future. So we're either planning 
or thinking backwards. And so the rest of the time, almost half of the time, we aren't present for what is happening right now. And so mindfulness is the practice of being present right now in this moment. And the meditative part of it is what actually trains our mind because mind wandering is part of the human condition. And so if you notice that your mind wanders a lot, welcome to being human. (laughs) Um, But there is a way that we can practice so that we can be more present. We can increase our focus. And as I like to say, it's not the loudest bang in the room that gets your attention, but rather where you choose to place your attention. So mindfulness, just like we go to the gym to train our muscles um, so that we function optimally as we move through our life, um, we train our mind so that we can actually be present for our life in a different way so that we can appreciate what's actually going on right now. Wow, I love hearing that. So you could train your mind to be more alert and oriented and uh, be present in the now. So this not all is lost for those of us who wonder many times throughout the day. Yes, yes. And that, so that's what I teach. Um, and oh, it's a practice. It's exciting. Yeah, excite me up. I'm coming to your course. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is propelling that growth of mindfulness that you mentioned in the last four or five years? Uh, and, and what's happening out there that is pushing that forward? So I think um, there's a number of factors. I think the, the stress level of the population has increased. And so they're looking for solutions. Um, so people come to me and say, oh, my gosh, you can help me with this. And so I did not hear that years ago. Today, I think with the technology that we have, the 24-7 connectivity, mm-hmm. we know what's happening in the other side of the world instantly. And you may have noticed it's never good news. And so people are looking for something to really bring some balance to their life. Um, And then also the evidence, the scientific evidence has really, um, the news media has picked up on the scientific evidence around mindfulness. Um, And that goes all the way back to a gentleman named John Kabat-Zinn. I'm not sure if you're aware of him, but John in the late 70s was a student at MIT and His father was a professor of medicine at Columbia University. His mother was an artist. And John always felt he was seeing the world from two different perspectives and that there was something in the middle that he was missing. So he attended a lecture by a Buddhist scholar and he was immediately captivated. So he went to India to study the yogic and Buddhist philosophies and went to a Japanese Zen monastery for a period of time. And at the same point in time, also got his PhD in molecular biology. So when he began working at University of Massachusetts Hospital, he would say to the doctors, how many of your patients, what percentage of your patients do you think you can actually help? And the doctors would always come up with the number 10, 20%. And John would say, what do you do with the rest of them? And they would say- Not a very exciting number, 10%. Exactly. So John created a protocol called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, or MBSR. And he invited the doctors to send him their patients that they didn't know what to do with. And they did. And at the end of the protocol, the patients all said, I feel better. Mm. And so John, being a researcher, decided that he really needed to document this and to get the data around it. And so in 1982, there was one article in the medical literature on mindfulness. And today, there's probably 600 per year, minimal, 
on mindfulness in the medical literature. And so the evidence has surely grown. And so I think that's what's propelling it. And I always say that's one of the reasons why I can talk about mindfulness in a medical institution today and why doctors will work, why sometimes people will come to my class and I'll say, oh, what made you come to the class? And they'll say, my doctor recommended it. Five years ago, even, I never heard that. So um, there has been a shift. You are absolutely right. Um, between 2012 and 2017, mindfulness grew, um, meditation actually grew threefold. Um, so it hasn't caught up to yoga yet, uh, but it came to the Western world well past the era when yoga uh, came. But it is definitely, definitely growing. How exciting. Uh, I, I can't wait till we discuss more how do average people get access to this mindfulness secret because there's so much there to gain. Uh, Dr. Banik, let me go back to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your practice. I know you mentioned migraines. You mentioned uh, some of the really tough conditions. Uh, what about your typical patient base these days in the last four years when you specialize in integrative and functional medicine? Sure. So many of my patients um, come to see me because they have multiple medical issues and uh, they are looking for an ophthalmologist who will be able to tie everything together. So our eyes don't work in isolation. They are so integrally connected with every other uh, organ system within the body. So the circulatory system, the immune system, even the gut, there's even an eye-gut connection. And so, um, so in terms of my practice, um, I really do address the whole person. So in a sense, you could call it holistic ophthalmology. And, um, you know, I, I ask patients, okay, what are you doing in terms of your blood pressure? What are you doing in terms of what you're eating? What are you doing in terms of stress reduction? So I do try to approach, you know, all angles when, when I'm dealing with their vision issue. And I think that they really do appreciate that you know, to, to, um, to come to a, a doctor, an ophthalmologist, and to be asked all of these other questions because most other doctors don't necessarily make those connections. It's so important. It is. Wow. Uh, tell us a little more about I got connection. This is something new for me, and, and I'm sure uh, for our listeners, I'd love to learn more. Sure. So, so um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the leaky gut or of course, the leaky yes. gut syndrome and, and so forth. So, so there, there, there are quite a... Um, so first of all, the gut is, is so rich in, uh, in neurotransmitters. And so uh, about three-fourths of the body's neurotransmitters are secreted by the gut. Mm -hmm. And these neurotransmitters have effects within the brain, within the eyes even. So there's that connection. But through the gut, the immune system can be modulated through the gut. And there is, again, um, a lot of uh, interaction between the immune system and the eye. There, is, there are inflammatory conditions that can affect vision or affect the brain as well as vision uh, that are immune modulated. So, so it's, it's, a, um, you know, it's a very interesting evolving field uh, in terms of the eye-gut connection. Uh, and I think that there's definitely more research being done on conditions such as macular degeneration and what, you know, could there be uh, issues with what's going on in the gut, for example, dysregulation in the gut microbiome, mm -hmm. uh, causing or related to uh, the, the development of macular degeneration or some other ocular inflammatory conditions as well, such as uh, there's a condition called uveitis or a group of mm -hmm. conditions called uveitis where there's inflammation. And a lot of it's, again, thought to be linked back to the gut and gut health. Wow, this is so powerful. This is cutting edge, I believe. Inflammation causing eye conditions. This is yes. uh, probably within the last few years. 
Am I correct? Absolutely. And even there's there are link there's links even between inflammation, dry eye. I mean, there's so many ocular conditions that are linked back to inflammation. And the question is, where is where does the inflammation come from? Not only the immune system, but a lot of it gets triggered within the gut. Yes. So all linked, all connected. Unbelievable. This is so yeah. interesting, so exciting to learn because you can make so many changes in one's life and really impact their vision. Uh, so that their impact, how they observe the world. Uh, I think most people are listening because very, very few people want to lose their vision. It's, it's a really a gift that we could look around and observe and absorb the beauty of this world. So in today's age, uh, we have so many uh, young folks, or, or I'd say everyone, that we are always on our phones, on the computers, iPads. What's the impact of this uh, on our eyes? Yeah, so that's a wonderful question and so pertinent uh, because we do live in a digital world. And, and I'll, just, I'll just give you some numbers. So the average U.S. American spends over 11 hours a day in front of the screen, 11 wow. hours a day. And the average child in the U.S. spends about six and a half hours a day on the screen. So the question arises, um, could all this screen time be, be damaging our eyes? Could it be hurting our, our um our retinas particularly. So, so I do have to say that there is no evidence yet that blue light exposure or screen time exposure damages the retina, but absolutely there are risks. It could potentially cause oxidative damage long-term. We don't yet know. But what, what I will say is that uh, screen time or excessive screen time is definitely linked with um, with uh, digital eye strain, which is a constellation of symptoms. So um, uh, blurry vision, uh, dry eye, light sensitivity, headaches, sometimes even neck pain, uh, difficulty focusing. So these are all symptoms that fall under digital eye strain and absolutely um, excessive screen time is a risk factor. Mm. And what I t- typically tell my patients is if you're planning to be on the, on the computer or on your phone or on a tablet for more than a couple of hours a day, schedule breaks. So usually um, I, I, like, I like to say it's a 20-20 rule. So every 20 minutes, set your timer and take a 20-second break. Just close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, and take that 20-second break. And that will help improve your endurance when you're on a screen. I love that. So this is to our listeners. Here's your tip. Uh, 20 20 minutes on your electronic device and take a 20-second break. Did I get it correctly, doctor? Yes, 20-20. Excellent. I love the fact that she, she said to take a couple of breaths, too. Yes. And that's mindfulness practice. Absolutely. And that's something I learned from Mickey <laughs> from her class. <laughs> so let's enhance this. You on a, on your electronic device, right? 20 minutes, make sure you stop for 20 seconds and take two or three or more deep breaths and be present to now, to this magical moment that you're experiencing right now. How powerful is that? And, and you mentioned, Mickey, something very, very unique. So almost 50% of the time, our mind wonders. Yes. Either in the past or the future. And yes. what if we give, give our listeners a gift to be present in this magical moment way more than that? Yes, yes. It enhances your life so much. Um, and, of course, we know that when our mind wanders, we're actually working from a part of the brain called the default mode network. Mm-hmm. And when we're in that network, we are less happy and there's a greater propensity towards depression when we spend a great deal of time in that network. The task positive network, on the other hand, is where we can actually focus. And that's what we do in our meditative practice is we train our mind to actually focus. And so there's so many benefits to doing what Dr. Rinrani just said. 
um, stopping. Yes. Uh, that's the practice that I teach all the time. Just stop. Take a few breaths. Observe what's going on right now. Where is my mind? Uh, what am I focusing on? Is it where I choose to focus, where I plan to? And then proceed. It's a stop acronym. Proceed with greater clarity and focus. And so it helps not only your eye health, but your mind health too. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it's actually very fascinating. It makes sense to me. If your mind wanders and you're not present, that you, you said you have a propensity towards depression. Yes. It makes sense because you're either worried about the future or thinking about the past, and neither of those things make you powerful. Exactly. I guess you can't control it. You can't really control the future for the most it's part. Done. It's done. It's or not here control yet. the past. Yes, it's already gone. So being present right now guarantees greater happiness. I agree. I agree. So what do you think within the last few years um, happened that pushed the medical systems, the doctors, to start accepting mindfulness more? So I believe that the evidence has, um, the news media has certainly highlighted the evidence um, of mindfulness, um, the many benefits that you can enjoy, greater focus, um, greater resilience to stress, uh, greater compassion, uh, you're less self-referential because as I said, you're working from a different brain network. And then as far as the physical benefits, there's less inflammation, which Dr. Bannock was just talking about, the inflammation and uveitis. Um, and um, there's also uh, a greater capacity to deal with pain. And of course, pain has reached epidemic proportions in our country. And as well, there's a greater activity of telomerase. Um, and so there's less shortening of the telomeres. And, of course, that's longer cell life. I always say shelf life. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's some significant benefits. And um, in 2017, Daniel Goleman and um, Richard Davidson, who was – Daniel Goleman was the science editor for the New York Times for many years, and Richard Davidson is a neuroscientist at University of Wisconsin. And so they really poured through – 6,000 studies to determine which ones held up to their scientific standards and to the rigor that they, that they demanded. And um, they picked 1% of the studies that they reviewed. And those were some of the benefits that they said they could, they could really say with great confidence that these are the benefits that you can enjoy with mindfulness. And so I think the science, even though we've just touched the tip of the iceberg as far as the scientific evidence for what's actually happening, um, and it will continue, there is enough evidence now that I think the scientific community, medicine in particular, feel that we can, we can bring this into our treatment for patients and for their own selves, because of course there's an epidemic of burnout in the, in healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. And so this is why I think in a medical institution, they are putting an effort into providing evidence-based practices for the healthcare workers. When the data speaks for itself, doctors join in and follow, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. This is ancient, ancient. These are ancient practices. Yes, um, But in the West, to our credit, um, we want to make sure that the evidence is there. And so I think today we can say that the evidence is there. 
Um, and so they have adopted them within the medical institutions. Well, I, I love hearing this because this is absolutely fascinating when the doctors are adapting practices that make sense with, with data, right? Because it's helping so many patients to yes. be present, to live more powerfully, to be more positive about their life. And uh, we are having such a fascinating discussion. When we come back, we'll dive even deeper into, into mindfulness, neuro-ophthalmology, and some of the success stories that you've seen in your respective fields. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Halde Pharmaceutical Compounding is one of the nation's top compounding pharmacies. We work with medical professionals as well as consumers, both human and veterinary. If you're a patient or a doctor and need to consult us, please call us for a free consultation. Additionally, you may purchase carefully selected quality brand supplements and vitamins at discounted prices at hcompound.com. To schedule a personalized consultation with Dr. Haldi or one of our associates, please email us at wellness at hcompound.com or call us at 646-650-5040. You can also check us out at hcompound.com. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Prescription for Success. If you'd like to reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to wellness at hcompound.com. Now back to Prescription for Success. Welcome back to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. Today, I have two very special guests with me. My first guest is Dr. Bannock, an internationally recognized neuro-ophthalmologist and functional medicine doctor. You can learn more about Dr. Bannock at her website, rudranibanikmd.com. That's R-U-D-R-A-N-I-B-A-N-I-K-M-D.com. My second guest is Mickey Brown, a registered nurse and a mindfulness expert. You can learn more about Mickey via her website at mickeybrown.com. To learn more about Haldi Pharmaceutical or to sign up for a consultation with us, give us a call at 646-650-5040. Email me at wellness.hcompound.com. To our listeners, give me a shout out on social media and tell me what topics you want me to cover next. I'm excited to hear from you. So before the break, we had a fascinating discussion about neuro-ophthalmology and the difference between neuro-ophthalmology and uh, general ophthalmology. We talked about mindfulness. We defined what mindfulness is. We touched on a unique new 
term that is evolving very quickly in medicine, I got connection, right? So I got uh, connection and everything that involves and touches conditions such as macular degeneration, uveitis. What was fascinating to learn before the break is that nearly 50% of the time our mind is wandering. And with the practice of mindfulness, we can move in the right direction and, and be present and be happier and, and, and uh, potentially even avoid some depression. Because if you are present, you live in the now, you're less likely to be depressed. How powerful is that? So let's continue this discussion because this is exciting, fascinating, and as I often say, life-changing. Uh, Dr. Banik, let me go to you. Can you tell us your unique approach to migraines? Because I know it's very unique and I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that um, that I have developed uh, through trial and error over the years. And first I tried some of these um, interventions in myself, and then I began to use them in my patients. And I've seen tremendous benefits. So I think the first, the, the foundation of an integrative approach to migraines is diet. Uh, making sure that someone has a, um, a healthy diet. What I mean by that is a significant proportion of the diet should be plant-based. So uh, plenty of vegetables, fruits, uh, occasionally nuts if someone can tolerate nuts, um, avoiding simple carbohydrates that may make blood sugar spikes uh, or blood sugars fluctuate up and down, um, avoiding uh, too much caffeine in the diet. Many patients with migraine have way too much caffeine. That was in, also including myself. Uh, I used to have maybe seven or eight cups of some caffeinated beverage a day before I realized that was not a good thing to do. Uh, making sure one is well hydrated. So that's that's the cornerstone of my approach. But um, and uh, but I would say on top of that, layered on top of that, uh, depending on the patient and and their their health status and and um, their nutritional status, sometimes I do add supplements. And some of the supplements I found to be most effective for migraine, and these have actually been studied in clinical trials and proven to benefit migraine patients in clinical trials, include magnesium. Uh, specifically uh, magnesiums that cross the blood-brain barrier that actually get into the brain. So for example, magnesium glycinate or magnesium threonate are two wonderful options. Um, the B vitamins, specifically riboflavin, which is vitamin B2, is very, very important for, um, for energy production within the brain. So it actually has also been clinically shown to reduce the frequency and severity of migraines. And in addition to those, uh, those interventions, so again, nutrition, supplements, I occasionally use uh, essential oils and I love aromatherapy. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's, it definitely has a calming effect, but it also, um, it, it works in ways that we don't yet understand. And so sometimes for my patients, I recommend topical uh, essential oils. Uh, for example, peppermint has been wonderful for many of my patients if they can tolerate the smell of peppermint, uh, lavender oil, frankincense oil. So um, it can be done topically or it can also be given uh, through a vapor vaporizer, so basically inhaled. So these are some of the strategies that I use. And uh, one other main thing I would say that many patients benefit from is stress management. And we were talking before about uh, the importance of uh, mindfulness in terms of managing stress. And, and it's something that I really bring to my patients' attention because many of them don't even realize how stress impacts their lives and has a negative effect on their health and it triggers migraines. So we all have stress in our lives. That's what I mentioned. I tell my patients, but we need to learn how to manage that stress. And so finding ways to reduce our response to that stress, to reduce that spike in cortisol that, that can really trigger so many health issues is so important. So whether it's, um, 
meditation, whether it's uh, taking a walk or doing some other form of physical activity, whether it's doing a, a hobby, for example, painting, listening to music. And these are all different ways that patients can, can, people can improve their stress in their lives and help improve their migraines. So again, it's a very um, multi-pronged holistic approach that I use. Yes, very, very comprehensive. I uh, love the diet approach because I'm a big uh, a supporter of healthy diet, whole foods approach, and making sure you get antioxidants and, and uh, phytochemicals into your system. And, and a lot of that we know how they work, but there's so many elements in, in nature that, that we know it supports us, but we, even as medical professionals, have no idea how. So big support of a very healthy eating. I love that you mentioned magnesium because I think most folks, uh, at least in the U.S., they're magnesium deficient. And a little plug that I, uh, I do for my audience, if you test your magnesium, but you have to ask your doctor to check magnesium RBC levels, not regular magnesium, because that's very, very important. I think traditionally most doctors just check regular magnesium, ask your doctor to check magnesium RBC. And uh, I personally love magnesium threonate, as you mentioned, uh, you supplement it. Uh, and most, in my experience, people who take it say that they report better mood, they sleep better, they have less pain. So it's one of those supplements that's a must for many people. But of course, talk to your doctor. Uh, very, very powerful. How quickly do you notice in, with your patients that diet uh, seems to help them with migraines? So it's not, it's not an immediate uh, uh, you know, improvement that patients see. What I tell patients is, you know, you, you've been probably having your standard diet for quite some time. So it's going to take some time to undo uh, some of those uh, those patterns and some of those uh, nutritional deficiencies. So I usually recommend a three-month course on uh, on a diet. And occasionally I'll start with an elimination diet, but then I'll switch patients over to another diet, depending again on where I think their, their issues are coming from. So um, I, I use something called a mitochondrial diet very often. Uh, which is uh, to boost energy to help metabolism specifically in the brain. I used the, the, the mitochondrial diet has uh, 12 therapeutic foods, uh, which include not only plant-based foods, but also um, grass-fed beef as well as wild salmon. Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally, I use a different diet called a, a Renew diet, which is an anti-inflammatory diet. So again, it's, it's really dependent on, on the patient and, and the types of symptoms that they have in their overall health status that I'll choose uh, some of these recommendations. Yeah, what's, what's important, I want to really um, emphasize a point you made that you recommend at least three months trial because that's really, really important. We've been following a diet that's not so good for us. So don't expect that after three days of uh, clean eating, you will be switching off your ailments and, and conditions that you've developed over the last decade or several decades. So it's really important to try to give it a try, a, a thorough try. And I would agree with you that three months is probably very, very good. In fact, I could tell you most people probably, and you, you could correct me if you don't see that, most people in the first few months of changing the diet to a healthy diet probably will ex experience some uh, side effects where their body is not used to healthy diets. They will, yeah. they, they, they will get GI symptoms and they will feel maybe even more headaches, maybe more weakness, um, and some other symptoms. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do warn patients that they may, they may actually feel worse before they start feeling better. But if they can stick with it, ultimately, they'll, they'll realize the health benefits, not just for migraines, but overall. Mm -hmm. And with some of these diets, I've been able to help get my patients off of their blood pressure medicines, get their diabetes under control, where they don't have to take insulin or as much in insulin anymore, improve their cholesterol, improve their aches and pains. I mean, so many other health benefits uh, be, uh, in addition to the migraine benefit. Wow. 
so interesting. Tell us uh, maybe someone that comes to mind, a patient that came to you uh, with a maybe unique eye condition or something that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, so, so one of my, actually one of my most difficult cases was a young woman. Um, she was in her uh, late 20s uh, who came to me and she had uh, multiple autoimmune conditions. So not just one or two or three autoimmune conditions. She had five different autoimmune conditions. Mm. And one of which was a condition called myasthenia gravis, which causes weakness of the muscles, specifically uh, the muscles around the eyes. She was actually having double vision and a droopy eyelid. And so, um, and so when she came to me, she was, uh, you know, very, very distraught. She couldn't function properly. She couldn't see properly. She couldn't work. And she'd just been through a very, very stressful period in her life. And so, um, so I managed her with a combination of the traditional medical uh, approach, which is for her in her acute state, she really did need a short course of steroids. But in addition to that, I made some radical uh, changes in her, recommended radical changes in her diet, added a few supplements, uh, put her on a stress reduction program. And again, it was not in immediate, but I would say over the course of four or five months, she improved tremendously. And um, her other, um, uh, her, her real true wish was she wanted to, uh, to actually uh, get pregnant soon. And her, uh, her um, uh, OBGYN is actually advising against it because she had so much inflammation going on in her body. And after completing, you know, some of these uh, regimens that I had put her on, uh, her OBGYN actually was was quite surprised at the at the improvements that she had made, and said, "Okay, I think now you're ready. I think you're now ready to start a family." So I think that was one of my, uh, you know, most uh, rewarding success stories in terms of patient care using an integrative approach. Yes. Wow. That that's why we become health professionals. I'm sure that's why this is one of those stories. Why that's why you became a physician. Absolutely, yes. Very, very rewarding to hear this. So, uh, Mickey, let me go to you. Uh, we, all of us as health professionals, would deal with people who are in really tough situations sometimes, whether it's a nasty condition or, or several conditions or a tough personal situation. What do you recommend? How can mindfulness help, especially to, with someone who's facing a life-threatening bad condition? Yeah, um, there's so much about the breath and how we use our breath. And so the first thing that I will work with the patient with is just to feel their breath. And that's really what we use as an anchor. If the breath is something that is creating anxiety in a patient, then I will use sound. But just to become aware of something that they can use as an anchor, either in a meditative practice, if they can just sit for, and I kind of meet the patient where they are. If they say, I don't have any time, I can't do this, then I ask them if they have three minutes every day. Or I also use the, the example, I will say, do you take a shower every day? Do you brush your teeth every day? And typically they say yes. And then I say, and what do you do for your mind? Your mind is so important. How do you clear your mind? How do you reboot your mind? What are you doing for it? And so they kind of, ah, oh, you're right. So I invite them to find, if it's, I always say, you will not find the time. You have to make the time. And so do you have, to begin with, three minutes a day that you can just sit and either follow your breath or focus on the sound environment or feel the contact points of your body um, as you're sitting in a chair, for instance. Um, and typically, if I can get them to do that, there was a woman that... Um, 
what came to the cardiac rehab center where I teach once a month. And she came the first two times and she was beginning a practice. And then the third time she came in and she was so proud of herself. And she said that she had started to, she had, had been trying to meditate, but she, when she first took my class, she started with uh, five minutes and then she graduated to 10 minutes. And now she was at 21 minutes. Every morning she got up early she meditated for 21 minutes. Don't ask me why she said 21 versus 20. <laughs> the 21 minutes is perfect for me. And so I said to her, and how has that impacted your life? And she said, I'm not so anxious anymore. And she said, you know, my daughter and I's re- my, my daughter and my relationship has changed too. I'm so much more tolerant of her. And so therefore she's much kinder towards me. So, um, so I just kind of meet people where they're at. And of course, so many times they put up resistance because this is something that they're not used to doing. And, or it could even be with somebody that's really super busy. Can you keep your phone? Dr. Bannock talked about um, taking walks. Can you keep your phone in your pocket when you're taking a walk? And can you just, and keep the earbuds out of your ears so that you can simply walk, look, and hear what is in your environment because there's so much that we do to our own selves that is such multitasking and overstimulation that our nervous system is totally out of balance and if we can just be present in the way that we used to all be present we didn't have these earphones or these phones that we were attached to and just even spend I will offer to people spend five minutes of your commute when you're sitting on the subway just looking around the subway car, notice who you're riding with. There are people from all over the world. And I also say, you know, people spend thousands of dollars to come to New York City as tourists. And they're all looking and they're in awe. And they leave and say, oh my gosh, what an amazing city. And so can we each be tourists in our own city for just a little bit and notice what happens to your stress level? I do it myself. And it makes such a difference when the inclination is to grab my phone and to check the messages. And I notice what I'm doing. I put my phone away and I just sit back and I look around and I hear the sound of the train. I see the people in the train and I get to work and I'm so much more refreshed than I would have been had I been multitasking and not present. I love it. I love be a tourist in your own city. This is, I've done that sometimes even uh, with my wife. We just say, we're going to pretend to be tourists. And yeah. amazing things happen. You see things you never saw before. You exactly. slow down, you observe things. And, wow, this is beautiful. I can't believe I'm living in, a, in this city. And whatever the city is for you, I know we're broadcasting from New York City, but wherever you are, it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. You could find beauty in that place. And to me, what you're sharing, that mindfulness is really about being kind to yourself. Yes. Being kind and appreciating yourself. Because if you truly appreciate yourself and don't beat yourself up, as many of us do, with with many thoughts and... and, and, The inner uh, critic. The inner critic. If you turn that critic off or lower the volume and zoom in on your best self, right? If you're kind to yourself, magic will happen. And I know it has happened in my life. And you mentioned about a lady that became more tolerant of her daughter because yeah. she became more tolerant of herself. Yes. And she accepted herself. Yes. To, uh, uh, and, and, and was kind to herself. So this is very, very powerful. 
thank you for sharing that story. Uh, very, very, very interesting. Dr. Banik, let me go back to you. I, I'm especially interested to hear about diet and vision as it relates to general population, right? And uh, if you could share maybe a few things that what can people do to protect their vision? Because to me, vision is a gift. You know, we, we could it's think about our, yes. uh, many other conditions, but when someone talks about their eyes, I think no one wants to even consider losing their vision. So what can people do? And tell us a little more about diet. Okay, so most eye diseases, uh, for example, cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration, uh, occur not simply with age, but they occur because of oxidation. And the key to diet and, and eye health is antioxidants and a variety of different kinds of antioxidants. So I usually start off with um, the typical vitamins that most people think of. So vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, these are very, very helpful for eye health. And vitamin A has another added benefit in that it's critical to the, um, to the light cycle within the retina that enables us to actually uh, generate that electrical signal that goes back to the brain. So vitamin A is, is important in that sense as well. Now, in addition to those antioxidants, I usually also recommend um, many phytonutrients. I know you were talking about phytonutrients before. And some of these uh, compounds, we don't really know what they do in the body, but they are potent antioxidants. So carotenoids, for example. So, um, so there are two compounds. One is called lutein and one is called zeaxanthin. Mm -hmm. And these are yellow carotenoids that, um, that are found in many different types of vegetables as well as some fruits. For example, green leafy vegetables, any kind of yellow pigmented food. For example, mm -hmm. uh, corn, yellow peppers, egg yolk is very rich in lutein as well. Um, and then uh, and zeaxanthin, those are orange type pigmented foods. For example, orange peppers, um, are a great example. But these, uh, these pigmented uh, carotenoids, they reside within the retina and they fight against oxidative damage. And they're so important to fighting against conditions that are potentially blinding, for example, macular degeneration, which is the leading cause of blindness in the United States, as well as many other countries in the world. So having a diet that's rich in a variety of different kinds of these antioxidants, phytonutrients is really important. Um, Omega-3 fatty acids are also very, very important. So um, DHA, EPA, these uh, fatty acids are the essential building blocks within the retina. And so you want to preserve the health of the retina by having enough of these, uh, of these healthy fats. So you can find these healthy fats in foods like avocado, in certain types of oils, for example, coconut oil, olive oil. Um, so, so these are the types of foods that I think are, I believe, are therapeutic for eye health. And many of these have been studied. Um, uh, individual ingredients have been studied in clinical trials, and they've been actually proven to, uh, to reduce vision loss in certain types of conditions. Uh, one other thing, aside from nutrition, that's really very important for, for preserving healthy vision is UV protection. Now, I know we were talking before about screens and blue light, but uh, UV light is perhaps the most potentially damaging oxidative uh, type of injury that we can get. So what I tell my patients is always remember to wear your sunglasses when you're outdoors. Even if it's a cloudy day, some of those very potent, powerful UVA and UVB rays can still get through the clouds and potentially cause damage and lead to conditions like uh, worsening cataracts or macular degeneration. So, uh, so those are my typical um, recommendations uh, mm -hmm. for preserving vision, which again, is there's, some of these are so simple to do, uh, but many of us don't really, don't really think about them. 
uh, but very easy interventions. Yes. What's really interesting to me that it's, you said it's not, these conditions are not necessarily age-related conditions. They are oxidative type of conditions. Mm. So you haven't fed your body, you haven't nourished your body with the right nutrients, and the body is reacting and there's oxidation, some other degenerative processes occurring there. So yes. you, you can reverse it. Is this correct? With so the right a, that's a little controversial. Um, so the goal is really prevention of further damage. Okay. Um, some people do believe that you can reverse some of the early changes of macular degeneration through proper nutrition, mm-hmm. um, but it has not yet formally been studied in a prospective clinical trial. I got you. Um, excellent. Thank you for that. Mickey, uh, I wanted to ask you to... Uh, we have about two minutes left to our wonderful discussion, but I wanted to ask you to leave us with a practice, a mindfulness practice that our listeners could walk away with. Sure. Or- sure. So um, feel your feet on the ground and take a few breaths. Just follow your breath for a couple of breath cycles. And this brings us into this present moment in a way that takes 15 seconds, if that, and yet we feel present. I use this all the time for the doctors, for the employees at Mount Sinai, who I will say, when you walk through a doorway, just stop momentarily. Just feel your feet on the ground. Take a couple of breaths kind of clear your your mind for being where you are next, whether it's a meeting that you're going into, whether it's another patient that you're going to be seeing. And it's been so beneficial to so many people, just two feet, one breath, just remembering I've got two feet, take a breath and move on. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Dr. Bannock, you have 15 seconds before we have to go. Give us a final message that you want to leave for our, our listeners. My final message is have a healthy lifestyle overall. So not only nutrition, try to sleep well, try to hydrate well, try to, to engage with other people. Um, you know, all of these will boost your, your, um, your wellness in so many different ways, and it will also improve your eye health. Very, very good advice. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Ladies and gentlemen, this makes it a show. Uh, thank you to my amazing guests, Dr. Bannock and, and Mickey. Terrific discussion. Thank you for your... Uh, information, I say life-saving, life-altering information in many cases. Really, really appreciate it. This makes it a show, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to live a happier, fuller, healthier, and more fulfilled life, you need to be the CEO of your own health. You need to be guided by an amazing practitioner, but it's your life. You will lead it. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be happy and healthy. Thank you for tuning in to Prescription for Success. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Emil Haldi, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of the program. Have a great and healthy week. 